Hey guys, it's Casey. All alone, Liat is on Yom Kippur. Um, this week's episode was recorded last week on the topic of grief. Um, it had been requested by listeners for a while, and we both just needed some time to get it together, get our shit together to talk about this really um, kind of shitty topic. Um, it's both affected us, um, but this weekend, the autism community, the fucking world lost a rock star, um, Theta Almalidi and her son, Moo. Um, they tragically passed away in a fire. Um, I've only recently gotten to know Theta through listening to the Scoop podcast. And I can't tell you guys, after six episodes, I felt like she was my best fucking friend in the world. She is a mom. She's a lover of rap. She's an autism advocate. And she says, in that order, she has done so much for the autism community to advocate um, for the rights of individuals and families with autism. Her brash, hilarious humor um, is just unparalleled. I I can't even tell you guys the impact she had on people. Um, it's it's unreal. Um, and we will miss Veda and her energy. And um, you know, she would have only gone out that way with her son. Her son meant everything to her. She was absolutely um, just so loyal to that kid, Muhammad and Feda. Rest in peace. We absolutely adore you guys. And, you know, this is going to be a really tough episode and also just something tough to get through right now for everyone. So, yeah, Feda, we're sending you and your family all of our love. It's behavior, bitches. Hey, guys, it's Liat and Casey. And oh, my Lord, it is episode 68. Casey, what do you have for us today for episode 68? 68, grief ain't great. Oh, well, we will be talking about grief, but don't worry. We'll stay away from being too depressing. But it's episode 68. But on a happier note, we have big news to announce. And I'm talking big. big. I'm talking big dick energy news right now coming at you. Woke up this morning. Been checking this app every day, the data on how many people listen. It's been this day we've been waiting for since episode one. What happened this morning, Liat? We hit over 500,000 downloads. That means that is over half a million downloads of our episodes. What the actual fuck? This is amazing. Do <laughs> you think I'm funny? I do. Yeah, I think you're very funny. I mean, who knew that we would have 500 listens? And I mean, if you want to be crazy about that, guys, imagine a thousand, like a thousand's a nice amount, right? Imagine doing that 500 times. It's, a, it's, All right? it's, a, it's insane. It's a milestone that should be and celebrated. Thank you. Yes. And thank you. It's it, I never imagined in a million years that when we had this idea, A, that we would even stick to it, but B, that people would listen and C, because we know we love the ABC, right? <laughs> and five beaver analysis. See yeah. that we would have reached this awesome milestone. It's amazing. And we just thank you guys all for tuning in every Monday sticking with us, um, supporting us, in us on Patreon, contacting us on our website, on Instagram, on Facebook, 
you guys give us so much love and you know that nothing in this world happens for free or without determinism. You guys have reinforced the hell out of our behavior and we are still putting it on every week without fail. Sometimes we even record twice in a week and that's wild. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. It means the world. And Casey, while we're talking about all this good stuff, can you give us our review of the day? Absolutely. I like this one a lot from Paige Brandon Atlanta. Her title is BCBA, baby. Five stars. She says, I failed two times. I have never failed at anything this big in my life. I have a second career, taught all ages of kiddos on the spectrum for 10 years, completed a great master's program, and I'm a behavior specialist for the school system. Well, I thought I had it all under control, but I did not until I met you two. Thank you very much for putting all of this very complicated information into a format that my brain accepted. Love ya. Mean it. Paige. Paige, congrats on passing your exam. And as you know, listening to last episode with Dr. Antonio Harrison, who brought the house down, he was also a multiple time test taker. So it doesn't matter how many times you take this motherfucker, you're going to pass it. Your time will come and yours came after much hard work. Thank you so much for that feedback. We love you. Mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty response latency there. Thank you, Casey. All right, guys. So we said it's episode 68 and today we're talking about something. And it's something that is. It's hard. It's something very hard to deal with. And I'm sure a lot of people have experienced in some capacity. And a few of you guys have asked us to do this topic. And the topic is grief. No, I'm kidding. We're, we're, we're going to talk about grief. Um, what goes into it? What and we're not just going to talk about only depressing things. We're also, we are very solution oriented here. So we are going to talk about different behaviors we can engage in to deal with grief. But before we get started, it's very important that we go over the behavioral principles. So today we will be covering escape and avoidance behavior negative reinforcement, self-management, replacement behaviors, private events, adaptation, behavioral repertoires, and I'm sure there will be so much effing more, so tune in and stay here. Okay, thank you so much for that behavior robot. We really appreciate when you come and do that. All right, um, so we are now ready. <laughs> I also want to preface that we are not professionals in grief counseling or anything like that. We're not offering any clinical advice during this episode. We're just two bitches shooting the shit on a topic that a lot of you have reached out. And, you know, I had said to the one person who I'm, uh, I had a conversation with back and forth about doing this episode. And I was like, I have been avoiding this. I have been engaging in, cause we've been asked many times. And so just recently, I was like, it's me. I'm avoiding this. I'm engaging in escape and avoidance behaviors because it's something that I was processing with myself and what I went through with losing a parent. So I'm like, okay, it's time 
Casey, get your shit together. And the universe is saying that you, you need an episode on this. So it might be a hard one, but we'll get through it together. Woohoo. You know, I'm here to cheer you on, Casey. <laughs> so today, I think, so also today's episode of grief, I told Casey, I'm like, well, I think you're going to have to lead this. We always say this on different episodes. You'd be like, okay, you lead this one. Okay, you lead this one. Okay, you lead this one. That's behind the scenes, what really happened. Um, and then I started reading. I was, you know, we do our research and we're going to do any episode. And I started reading about it and I was like, holy fuck. I've been through a lot of grief. Um, so I think today we're going to talk about grief, the different forms it comes in. Uh, you know, it's commonly associated with, and we're going to, an operational definition actually is deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. Grief is the response to loss, particularly to the loss of someone or something that has died, to which a bond or affection was formed. Although conventionally focused on the emotional response to loss, it also has physical, cognitive, behavioral, social, cultural, spiritual, and philosophical dimensions. And with that being said, I, I think it's important to identify that grief generalizes to beyond death. Grief, uh, when I was reading these different articles today, when I told Casey, I was like, I started going down this rabbit hole of grief related to chronic illnesses. And I was like, oh my God, this is weirdly talking to me. So first of all, what behavioral reactions, Casey, do we see associated with grief? So- um, I'm going to go over some that I found on um, some journal articles, as well as um, some that were sent in from uh, Instagram responses from all of you guys. Um, so I was asking, what are the behaviors that you associate with grief? Um, so some of them that came up was um, withdrawing. You guys know I can't say that word. Oh, um, withdrawing. <laughs> how about being withdrawn? There we go. Less productive. Um unable to sit still, lacking attention or concentration, struggling to think clearly or remember things, seeing or hearing the voice of the deceased. I have many stories about that. Um, progressive isolation, um, self-destructive behaviors, task avoidance. Um, what else do we have here? We have disruptive sleep patterns, crying, looking at pictures of them, wearing their clothes. Oh my God, I have done all of these. Talking to them, drinking, check, isolating oneself. No, I'm just too social of a human being. Um, laughter uh, and a lot of escape and avoidance behavior. So like canceling plans, um, you know, just with coming more and just like being um, alone more. And that's when, you know, if you have or, or, you know, have a family member or someone's dealing with grief and you do see them engaging in these behaviors, like it's you got to step in and kind of like give them a little little nudge, little help. And a lot of private events that we see also, I mean, you don't see, <laughs> hence the fact that they're private, but there's a lot of private events involved with grief, right? Because you're really dealing with this. It's, I think it's a very personal journey. And, and in fact, we read this quote that we got on this thing called google.com, but no, I, <laughs> we found great articles and on Psych Central and we shared them in the show notes, but it's something along the said, remember, grieving is a personal process that has no time limit, nor one right way to do it. 
And this is going to look different for everyone because loss takes many forms. Like maybe you have uh, someone's blindsided by their spouse who has decided that they want to ask for a divorce or, um, you know, someone loses a family member or um, when we get let go from a place that we've worked for a long time and really built our identity there as, you know, in our career or becoming disabled by a chronic illness and grieving what you used to have. So really any loss in these capacities, you know, can lead us to dealing with grief. I really like this definition that I found. Um, grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So something that you've gotten used to in your behavioral repertoire of things that you do, people you associate with, it's basically the end or change in this. And we all know change is hard AF, right? Even just like with little changes in study notes, like the fifth edition task list, right? Like it creates. Like I'm literally, I'm so happy we're talking about this because I have literally <laughs> been grieving the second edition Cooper book. Like I have been sleepless and unable to eat for like legitimately ever. No, I'm kidding. But change sucks in general. I mean, <laughs> it does. And it takes many forms. Um, and I think that. A, you get used to something, but it's not only just like, so let's think of a loss of a loved one. Like, it's just so final. It seems so, that was one thing I always like struggled with. It just seems so final. Like death in general to me scares the shit out of me. Okay. Your own death or others? Just death. The fact that you can wake up and that that person that was just there is no longer there anymore. Like, and also I've had this. Wait, weird... but I have a serious question. Are you, do you fear your own death or oh, yeah. those? You do? I, oh, oh, I have like no fear of my own death. I more fear losing those close to me. You know what I think? And this is kind <laughs> of narcissistic, but I've thought this like and it's a thought that has privately run through my head. Um, it's like, I, I have to hear this. I'm like, how can the world go on without me? Like, <laughs> like I, I'm such a control freak, right? You know that about me that I'm like, how like the people... sun is not going to remember to rise in the morning <laughs> if Casey is gone. It, it won't. That's just what has I'm telling you guys this. <laughs> no, but I really have had the thought like when I'm when I go like there's just no, I mean, whoever loved me is not going to be able to function ever again. <laughs> like I know that's a really weird feeling, but I, it's something that I've like thought like because and I think of that, too. Like if, you know, I think weird thoughts of like, oh, like you know, say something happened to Matt, like he's my entire life, like my best friend, my husband, like I wouldn't be able to go on. I, and I, I think of this as I'm going through this grief process of reading all this stuff and like how grief is this, like, you know, it's more of a grief in motion. It's not just like, oh, and then it's going to end on day 15 when you got through that five stages of grief, right? It's something that you like, what was that quote that you found that I loved? We've turned into I'll this find quote. it. Don't worry. It was um, oh, it's right here. Grief is not a straight line that disappears into the horizon. It's a curvy line that goes up and down, thins out for a while, then widens when you're unsuspecting. And that is, literally sounds terrifying. It's just, yeah. So anyways, yeah, death. But grief also is a price that we pay for love of mm -hmm. anything we do or anything we feel passionate about or, you know, um, it's just part of life. And something that I always remember going through or just like with a lot of challenges I've been through in my life is like, there's no way out, but through. So you're going to have to go through it some way. Right. And 
I mean, that's my biggest fear of God forbid something ever happening to my parents. Like that's my, I just like so much of who I am, but it's something that everyone has to go through at some point in life. And so I don't even like talking about this, but I think it's a really healthy conversation to have. And Casey, I know you did some research on these different, um, I guess the stages of grief. I think that'd be a good thing to talk about next, going through the stages of grief. And so we know that there's that old, like the age old uh, five cycle, five stages, five stages of grief. And that, and they do not have to go in this order. They are typically don't, they go all over the place. You could go back and forth from one to the other, but basically like it starts. And I, I guess maybe I should tell maybe like relate it to I think you should tell your story. Let's start with your story. So I think, I mean, I've talked about it before, but I lost my dad. When were you born? When were you born? June 27th, 1987. The world was blessed with my presence that day. (laughs) And the sun knew to rise. (laughs) And yeah, guess what? And so, um, yeah, so I lost um, a parent. I lost my, my dad and he was 61. And, you know, being, so that would put me at 31. That was two years ago. Um, and you like, just never expect to lose a parent when they're that young or when you're that young. Um, and so like the first up denial, like, okay, like, is this real? Like, I just remember like coming back from the, um, what do you call it? The hospice that morning. And it's like, okay, now it's like you, you just, what I do is I get into what are the next steps? I need tasks. I need physical things. So call the cremation. I got to make a payment. I need to call, you know, the family members, blah, 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 blah. Like, I guess my first step wasn't denial. It was, um, what action items can I do to, to like, um, avoid feeling the pain. And I think that maybe that's just my personality, but if I could just keep, you give a little bit of background and I'm sorry, guys, by the way, this is our relationship. So I can ask, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I ask Casey every single detail about her life. I am, I, I'm fascinated by people and, you know, I admire Casey a lot, but can you like give a little bit of background on, you know, like aside from just being like any passed away on this day, like, can you give a little background of like, give us a little bit of buildup as to like what was going on, what you dealt with, you know, Casey, I want you to be real raw and relatable over here. So I'm pussyfooting around this. He's like literally like pussyfooting, like when you lose someone, it's blah, blah. like, come on girl. Like, shoot the shit straight. And I like pussyfooting. I've never heard of that. (laughs) I don't even know if that really goes with it, but, um, okay. So I'm, I'm sure, I mean, you guys know my story. You guys that have listening since episode one, you know, I've had my sister on about addiction. I've had, um, you know, we've talked about, um, my childhood being rough. Um, both my parents, um, were addicts and, um, they, you know, it was a struggle. And my mom left my dad when I was probably three because, he wasn't stopping the drug use and she was like, we have two kids now. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and my dad as an early age was definitely, uh, more of an absent parent to, to put it nicely. Um, I definitely didn't see him as frequently as like a child should see their father. And then he completely disappeared. Like, Where would he be? Where would he be? I mean, living with his mom, my nan, my Grammy, but like, it wasn't like he was in a, a safe space that my mom felt like, oh, we're the kids are safe if they go see him. Like, it'd be more like supervised. Like, I remember the one. I have this one picture. Um, he he did a he volunteered as a 
a parent to on a field trip back when I was probably in like second grade, like how fucking cool. Like I was always, I was like always wanted a parent to be the one who volunteered. Right. And I remember that he was dressed in like black slacks, a white button down, a tie, his hair was cut like short and gelled. Like he looked healthy and like, it's like this beautiful like vision where I'm like, Oh, that is the dad that I wish I had the whole time. Um, but yeah, so he, he basically moved to Florida when I was, I don't know, in my middle school, maybe, maybe a little younger and was in and out of jail and, uh, didn't really get to see him. He didn't really call on Christmas or birthdays or any of that shit. And then, um, he owed a shit ton of back child support. Um, and my, you know, he ended up getting arrested and brought back up here to jail. Um, and he would write letters. He started writing me letters. Um, and I had to make that decision of, do I want, at this point I'm turning into an adult, right? Like I was angry. I was, um, mad. I was sad. Um, and so I had to make the decision and I did to be, I'm like, I'm going to see him when he got out and I'm going to have an adult relationship with him as a friend. And, um, we got really close and as friends though, like as adults, um, and then, you know, he was still using and still drinking and all that stuff. And it caught up with him, you know, like he ended up, um, just going into the hospital, getting really sick. And then, um, when you're addicted to these hardcore pain meds, like dilated, um, and then they don't give them to you, you're going to find something on the street to, that might function the same, but, uh, might not be something that is, you know, controlled. And so he ended up, yeah. Um, overdosing. And so there's a lot of anger there <laughs> and, uh, you know, going through that whole thing and having to be his caretaker. That was like the biggest thing is that the last like six months when he was in the hospital and sick, like it was just me and my uncle, like taking care of him, like all the time. And, um, and yeah. And so there's this one thing that I was reading about grief today that actually made me feel better is that, um, sometimes you feel relief when you have, when you are taking care of a family member for so long or you know there's a lot of um trauma and I didn't really feel relief until probably recently but yeah that's the feeling all right Leah what's your story <laughs> not my story as much I mean because I am on your story right now and we are here with you thanks um you know I am just I I know I tell you every day so it might be a little much, but like who you are as a result of what you've been through is, I mean, it makes so much sense as to who you are as an individual too. Like when you talk about needing to like remind God to put the sun up every morning because you're such a <laughs> control freak. I mean, because of so many areas of your life that you couldn't control. And I mean, I haven't even heard all these details that you just shared, you know, like writing letters from prison or jail. Mm -hmm. whichever um i think it was jail i don't really yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> same yeah, shit like, at this point I, one thing i read like um earlier like in addition to the sadness and other painful feelings involved with like losing someone like a, but especially a parent um or a spouse or anyone um is that the feelings is a sense of relief that that person you loved a is no longer in pain and that was a big one for me i was constantly worried about my dad too um so like almost being able to like 
I never knew what I was going to find in those last couple months of his life. Like when I go over and check on him, when he was, you know, you know, he had been in and out of um, rehab. He had had these, um, like, what do you call it? The surgery that resulted in a really high infection, which is how it all started. So we had like a at-home nurse and it was like, I was so every day, like I'd be at work and he'd call me that he needed like ginger ale or something. And I'd go to his, like um, his little apartment and I never knew what I was going to find. Right. Like how, what state he was going to be in or any of that. So knowing I could wake up in the morning and he is up there like safe in whatever heaven you believe in I, that I believe in. But um, that was something that was like, <sighs> okay. I never really didn't had a denial phase. If I look at this like stage of grief, um, but a relief and that's just given my situation and my history, right. It's different than someone who may have lost, like if you lost your dad, right. Well, I, I was, when I was bringing that up to you, like, God forbid, I told you that's my biggest fear, but like your situation, like, I mean, and by the way, one of the biggest blessings Casey and I have is that we have like the most open conversations about anything like, anything. Yeah, we do. And, um, I was saying like, I was asking her, I was like, it seems like a very different experience because I mean, first of all, like, I think for you to be able to come out and admit that in some sense it was relief is very hard to say. That's mm -hmm. like, you know, because you still lost someone. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I was saying like, I was asking her if in any way did you feel like, so I look at my dad, right? And and first of all, the one thing you said to me, like just reminded me of like, I, I could, I literally could imagine how proud you felt having your dad come volunteer at something. Like, oh yeah. Like that must be such a clear picture in your head. And then I feel like such a dick because I just remember that my dad at one point decided he was going to become like more religious Jewish and he started wearing a yarmulke on his head and he showed up for dad's day lunch. And I was like, you cannot stay. I was like in fourth grade or something. And he was wearing like the little like yarmulke, like thing on his head, you know, the little Jewish hat. Yeah. And I was like mortified. And like for you, like it just shows relativity. You probably would have been like so happy if like your <laughs> yeah. dad who was working like a regular job, like, you know, like financially yeah, stable absolutely. showed up. You wouldn't care what yarmulke. You wearing, wearing like a bozo head. clown. And I would have been like, yay. <laughs> that just shows like relativity. But, you know, I think, what I see in your grief story, and I think you told me a little bit, I said, you know, was it different for you? Because like, I look at my dad and every person who meets me is like, your dad is just, I mean, I had nothing. And he just like, he offered me a job or your dad literally came and like built our furniture for us or like made sure we had electricity or did this or like, do you know what your dad did for this? Like all the time. And and of course it's my dad. So I love him. And the same with you, mm -hmm. right? It's a yeah. parent, like no matter like what they gave you, it's amazing. A child bond to a parent. Mm -hmm. But like when I asked you earlier, I was like, was it difficult for you? Because kind of like this legacy left behind for certain things. It's like, mm -hmm. especially with who you want to be, right? Like you, so like you want to leave an impact on this world and be known for doing good. And Mm -hmm. And that I'm like, was it harder, like being like the way that your dad passed away, that it wasn't like a, like the, like, I mean, but you did say like in a different way, there were people who were like devastated or so sad to hear. His, but his, his pool crew, his like, you know, he had, he had a big following at the local watering hole that, uh, 
he had, you know, there was a good, great turnout and, you know, everyone loved Bobby Mack. My dad was a life force, but like, you know, unfortunately when you do, you know, drugs and alcohol your whole life, like you're just, you think people are expecting it. You know, it was, was not with my dad. I don't think so. Um, but it was definitely, no one was super surprised, right? Like when he ended up getting, that's what this, I'm saying. Imagine yeah. like that, that makes me feel like terrible. Like mm-hmm. that's what I just want. Me, like I just want you guys to know um, that before I did was did this episode. I have like a little shrine to my dad. That's one of the like uh, things that I in my grieving process. I have like this mug that uh, his best friend got me. It's like a glass mug with a bullet in it thing, and it says like bad. I know exactly dad. what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and it says like badass dad. And I have it, my dad always wore this like amazing necklace that had um, been made by rolled paper, and it was like a nice like hippie necklace with a cross, like all like rolled paper um i that with a picture of him and his ashes and i like went over there and i'm like dad i'm about to do a podcast on you don't like (laughs) listen but like no i love you basically so yeah i just did that just so you guys know (laughs) like i'm gonna share something but i think he'd want it shared that's what i like know of my dad I just love you so much. And I don't want this episode to be too flirty that I just tell you the whole time, but I really do. And I just like, it's not for COVID. I wish I could give you a hug, but I just don't know how well you wash your hands. And <laughs> um, I told her that one time and I, she never lets me. Yeah, dude, down. be careful what you tell me because it sticks. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Grief mm-hmm. is so different for everyone. And I, I, the thing is, I think that like, even though people weren't that surprised, and even when people are surprised, it's such a personal process that one goes through that it's not the kind of thing that you could be like, oh, I went through this, but I had like great friends, which you can, but you're, there's no way out but through. Well, there was also like another, I'm just thinking of like another stage of, um, so because my dad um, had, you know, gotten to the point where there was no returning to like a normal person anymore because his brain was basically just like had resorted to like a child and he was his organs were failing I had to be the one to make the decision to put him on life support like with him you know he he agreed I'm like you're either gonna go to a nursing home and have a feeding tube for the rest of your life you'll never go play pool again or be able to do that or you're gonna get all the morphine you want and he was just like as long as you don't leave so I didn't leave um but like I have these nightmares no I guess they're nightmares dreams whatever up until like a year after he passed that he was like getting better in the hospital. Like it was so weird. Like he'd be like, I'm, I'm getting better. Like the doctor's like, wow, he really turned around. Like that I had like called it too early or like all these different like private events, right. That you can work yourself into a complete rabbit hole um, that it's somehow my fault. Um, and so there's anger there. Um and that kind of led to more of like depression a little bit of like um, when you're just like feeling like, I don't know, regret, even though I knew I made the right decision, I, you know, I was had support for my family, but the fact that like it had to have been a daughter's decision is like really shitty. And so lots of, um, of those like <laughs> dreams that he's like, Hey case. And he's alive. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> well, you have had to deal with, You've had your life challenges. Like that's without a doubt. And 
Insert I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you guys listening, when you hear Casey talk like this, you're like, oh, I just love her so much more. Because that's how I feel every time I hear one of her stories. And poor Casey, every time she thinks she's like done talking about it, I ask her like 5 million more details about like the extent to like every single <laughs> detail about it. Because I'm genuinely interested. But there's all different types of grief. It's something that uh, I realized when I was reading about this and, you know, your grief may not look the same. And whether your parent was a superhero or your parent was dealing with this or you lost a job that was your identity. Like, honestly, like, even if I put myself in my situation now and I was like, if study notes ABA was done, I don't know. Like, I like, I identify myself with this. Like, I have a purpose. Like, my life was reinvented from like a lot of loss that I've had of, of losing my own health. And so it's all about reinventing yourself during during these times and um on a on a personal level again I feel and again uh someone else's I think always seems worse like you take uh, your they, own shit back. They, they say like pile. if you put your shit in someone else's pile, you take your own. So to me, I'm like, okay, like I'll take my own, like based on what you've dealt with. And to you, you're probably like, I could not give up work. Like I am constantly going through grief. And I don't think that people necessarily see that because I think they see the pretty side of things of like what's happening. But when you have a chronic illness, I mean, if you have missed the point by now, I don't know where the F you've been that, you know, I have uh, multiple autoimmune conditions leading to uh, mixed connective tissue disease, which sounds fun. Derma, lupus. Each time you get diagnosed with a new <laughs> autoimmune condition or chronic condition, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm going through grief over and over again sometimes. And, you know, each time you go to the doctor and it's like, okay, you have lupus, you go through the stages of being like denying it. You go look it up what it is. You're like, oh, well, fuck. <laughs> That's <laughs> the end of my life for this. Doctors tell you what you can no longer do anymore. Like, I mean, like I grieve so many things that I used to be able to do like on a regular basis. Like I can't be in the sun anymore with my lupus. But I also can't be in the cold with my, like with my scleroderma, I lose fingers. I also can't be in air conditioning when it's hot. I can't be, if I'm in too much heat, one of the conditions with, Lupus is no sore. So like, it's so dry. Like I, I have literally been like grieving over and over the things I can't do. Like the, there's times I feel like I don't have any place to go. And whether that means like running used to be my outlet. Physical exercise used to be my outlet. I can't do it anymore. I, you know, grieving even things such as the way you look, you know, I was no supermodel, but I always thought I was kind of cute. <laughs> I mean, day by day, it's like, and, and every issues, time something. Is that what you mean? What? With your skin issues? My skin issues, my fingers, uh, yeah. my my chest, my my hands. I mean, I'm covered in spots. I mean, like grieving, like looking at your hands, right? Mm -hmm. Like you look at them and, and you're in shock every time. Yeah. I've grieved my hair. I've lost my hair time after time. Like it's simple things that every time and like I go to the dentist and they can't get trays in my mouth to get an impression as like I'm grieving things that I didn't even notice. I was thankful for the fact that I could open my mouth for a dentist. 
mm-hmm. which is surprising. I know I have such a big mouth still, metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, it's not a not affecting that. <laughs> um, but just like I I grieve the fact of like I envy someone who's able to be like like hanging out at someone's house for the night and be like, yeah, I'll just crash here tonight. Like I always like have, like envy people like that. I'm like, what do you mean? You could like literally that casually just be like, I'll sleep here. Like I have so many like protocol I have to engage in with my medications, my thoughts. If I don't, if I don't have this with me, if I don't have this, like I'll be sick tomorrow. Like I think it's cool. Someone doesn't have to look at the time when they're out. Like there's just so many things I have to think about every single thing packing for a vacation. I'm like, okay, so I'll need, um, you were packing I mean, for Florida and you were like packing like gloves, mittens, like a thousand like, percent. Yeah. I'm like, it's Florida. <laughs> um, I like, I grieve being able to wear a shirt that like could show like my neck at all. Like I'm covered in these spots. And every time you see a new symptom, every time you're scared, you're like, is this my new forever? Oh, I started losing fingers. Is this continually going to be what happens for me? Mm-hmm. So you're like dealing with a lot of these private events and then you have others being like, it's not that bad. So what can we do? I'm not going to sit here and complain nonstop. Well, I did want to talk about w- one other thing that I had read. Um, oh, please go. It was this ABC model with cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I, I just love how, CBT. I just love how they did. Um, they broke the A, B and the C down. So um, they talk about um, people's emotional consequences. So that's the C, Right. Um, it's, uh, there's an activating event is the A. I always, I'm like, oh, that's the antecedent stimulus. Right. Um, and the B is your beliefs. Um, we would say that our behavior, um, but it's say these A, B's and C's, it says that the people's emotional consequences are not solely determined by the activating event, but largely by the beliefs that they have hurt, have, have about the event. Death, especially sudden and unexpected, may be regarded as an adverse external event, which is an A, that affects one's belief system, which is the B, and consequently, one's emotions and behaviors, which is the C. Um, So the interaction of those and trying to move out of, uh, I see that there's different types, too, of grief, like appropriate grief or miss a not not appropriate whatever it is but it's like saying these thoughts that like i'm never gonna get over this i'm never gonna survive this um this is the worst thing in the entire world like these negative things we tell ourselves and moving towards more of you know like an acceptance commitment practicing that psychological flexibility and there's i saw a a, they have an uh, act matrix but they also have a, a grief tricks grief matrix. Um, and what they talk about is that they divide it into four corners. Um, and in the bottom right, you write, um, your name, the person who you lost names and like your, the qualities that you guys both hold true. Um, and then in the bottom left, um, you name it grief and all your thoughts and feelings that you have about the grief. And then above the grief. And that one is what are all the behaviors you're engaging in thoughts you're having that are negative, right? These are called the way moves. Um, these are like, we don't want to be thinking like that. We want to go more towards the right corner, which is the toward moves. These are our action steps and our values that align. Um, and you know, you want to be able to practice this kind of psychological flexibility with your grieving process as well. And also giving yourself grace and that it's okay if you have a really shitty day one day and they're just like, I am not able to function today. And then other days you might have really high days and it comes in waves. It still does for me. Like, you know, one song could come on and I'm like, ah, like bawling my fucking eyes out. Um, but then I'll go like 
couple weeks and be like, oh my God, have I even thought about him? Did I forget him? Like, it's so interesting, like the different processes that we all go through um, when it comes to grief. There is just no like straight line with this. It is such a roller coaster. Huh? And a personal journey. I mean, there's no right way to grieve is what we're trying to say, guys. <laughs> like, none at all. But there are some things that we can do um, in our grieving process. Um, or if we're, you know, if we have family members who are grieving or who, whoever, but like when I was reading this, um, when a person in our lives dies, our behavioral repertoire can shrink around us. Like you just stop doing a lot of the things that you love because you're kind of paralyzed in this, this new loss. And you're like, you know, all the things that made you who you were, you might have to reinvent those things. Right. Um, and so like one of the things to talk about is to get unstuck, all you have to do is get moving. Like even Leah was saying like, you know, I went five minutes without crying. Like, great. Like mark that as a win. And like, I got out of bed this morning. Mark that as a win. Put one foot in front of the other, right? Just get unstuck. Picking just, just like- Create yeah. some, just don't be static. That's the um, problem. And allow yourself mm -hmm. to feel- there's also replacement behaviors, guys. We know about replacement behaviors, right? Yeah, we do. Differential reinforcement of alternative behaviors. We need to find those replacement behaviors, um, especially when you're dealing with extreme grief. Um, so making healthy choices. I know that sounds so simple, but like choosing like, you know, okay. So especially with coming from like an act look, so you are grieving you know what, I'm just going to get wasted tonight and just fucking avoid these feelings. And, you know, I'm going to engage in these, um, these unhealthy habits. Um, I'm going to, you know, use drugs to numb it. I'm going to take Xanax to numb it. Um, all those away moves, right? All those things that like, now, did that really help you? Did you wake up the next day and feel better about it? Right? Like, were you like, oh, that was such an awesome, I'm super hungover now. I feel great. Now I'm even more depressed because alcohol is actually a depressant. Um, right. So like, really focusing on making these healthy choices with diet and exercise too. Like exercise re releases endorphins that make you actually feel better. It's proven. So move your body, right? Like it, you know, I never have gotten to the gym and then left and been like, I, that, I regret that workout. No. So just get moving. Even if it's a walk, even if you're just like, I'm going to get up and do 10 jumping jacks, right? Low response effort, whatever it is. Um, but you know, I think first and foremost, it's getting away from the away moves and going towards the toward moves. So how can I, maybe I need to journal in the morning to like get my thoughts out on my grieving process. Maybe I need to meditate. Maybe I need to talk to a friend today. Um, and that's another thing is don't shut yourself down. Talk about it with someone. The more you can talk about it, right? The more you can um, kind of, not give it a name, but give it like, life. So like talking about my dad to whoever and keeping him like his, you know, spirit alive, that helps. That's like very, um, motivating for me. And also, you know, it's like, yeah, like there's a lot of amazing things about my dad. Like let's write down all the awesome things about my dad. Um, so just finding things to do that are going to be those toward moves towards your values of like what, you know, I think about my dad and I'm like, all right, yeah, he might not have had the best morals when it comes to that, but he was a loyal, totally like would give anyone the shirt off his back, would do anything for anyone. 
um, person. Uh, so more moving towards moving towards those kind of values, right? Um, so that's just something to think about. Maybe you find a new hobby. I don't know. Maybe you start crocheting. I picked that up for like three days one time and have never picked it up again. But do what works for you, okay? I agree. And a, a lot of the time I, with grieving is you need to find – it's the hardest time. You need to really dig deep and find – what else makes you you? Because a lot of times we identify ourselves with a job, with a with a person, with a, you know, what are your strengths? And I know we're going to do a separate podcast about this in general because, I mean, I've had to deal a lot with this on a, you know, on a personal level over and over and kind of looking for parts of me I didn't know were there necessarily. And I think that's very hard to do, especially when you're feeling depressed. You're already not interested in doing anything and something that like takes high response effort and work, you definitely don't want to effing do. So I think a takeaway from this episode is it's okay to feel. It's okay. And it's okay that it seems like this person moved on better than you or this, like, it's okay. And just because, you know, your grief is from something different. Like you lost your dog that you've had for a long time or it doesn't make it any less real, right? So I just want to like say it, it's not necessarily only if you've lost a parent or, you know, a child mm -hmm. or. Oh my God, if I lost my cat, I would be, I say this to Matt every time in like a mental institution. My cats are my entire life. Like I, a lady had reached out to me, you no, know, like when I had posted the grief episode saying same thing, she lost her cat, had to put him down. And it's just like, the worst feeling ever. So like, I feel for anyone who's had to go through that. Um, but I love this, like focusing on the little things you enjoy. So in the midst of grief, it's like natural that you're focused on what you've lost. Of course, that's like a huge, but what about, what about life. focusing on what you had in order to have grief, you have to have an antecedent of something you loved something mm -hmm. or someone you loved. What about focusing on that? Like, yeah. isn't it, what's the saying? Like, it's better to have lost than to never love at all or something. I might be saying it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea that you were able to experience that. And I, and I also think like focusing on like the little things that you do enjoy. Like I focus on gratitude like for, for my also things that I have of my dad. So like um his favorite shirt that he wore Matt wears, right? And I love it. Um I have like my nephew has his walking sticks that he used to like he used to whittle the like wood into these beautiful walking sticks. Uh, my uncle has his pool um, cue. I think that's what it's called. The thing you shoot a pool ball with. Um, I have his necklace. I have, um, you know, pictures of him. I have photo albums. I have notes and cards he's written and like all those little things. And I'm like, all right, these little things do give me joy. I mean, first of all, I'm always happy to let listeners get to know a little bit more about us, you know, humanize us. And hopefully along the way of getting to know us, uh, you've, feel that you could relate in some way or one episode touches your soul in some way to realize that you're not alone and these feelings are normal. We are cutthroat behaviorists, but we still do realize that life is hard. Like shit's hard and it's not always as simple as a simple ABC and a, a <laughs> simple intervention no to change it. Exactly. So if you're in the collective, you know. You know, if you know IYK, 
YK. Um, so Casey, thank you for sharing your story. I know I push you to the edge sometimes of um, to share some things, but it's I mean, really Thank you for sharing yours. My goal is to get you to cry one day. That's my You did goal. on my birthday. I know. Oh, that was like seeing you in that state, like seeing all the videos that everyone made for you and the difference you've had in so many people's lives and seeing yours, like where you came from, like thinking you were never even going to like be able to hold a job again to like changing like thousands and thousands of people's lives. And you were just like flowing. I'm like, yes, I won. <laughs> no, but, but I think that's something huge. Like when you're in either a depression or grieving something, you, in that moment, you see that as the end. It also could be the beginning for like new changes for your life. And so that is great foreplay for another episode we are going to do um, coming up, kind of just letting you know more who we are. So Casey, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your tears with the show. I know this is not an easy topic to talk about. Yeah, anything, anything for you, B, just love you. Well, no, I hope also for you. I hope in some way, like no, it's it is. yeah, it does. therapeutic. And I'm sure that you've helped someone by sharing your story. And that's what's that's the hope. That's the hope. Yep. So guys, seriously, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, getting us to over half a million downloads. Ah! You know where to find us. You can find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast online behaviorbitches.com you could support us on patreon.com slash behaviorbitches and as always love you mean it <laughs>